A landfill worker makes a horrific discovery one day at work when he opens up a discarded suitcase. What was inside was definitely not what he expected. It was far more sinister. Inside the suitcase was a very recently deceased human body. The suitcase was in very good condition and appeared to be brand new. Investigators focused on what they had and made a huge discovery. Through skilled investigation, it didn't take long for police to obtain video of their suspect. What police learn is that this might be worse than what they originally thought when they trace a missing 16-year-old girl to this monster. How did police trace a suitcase in a landfill back to the killer? Well, come hang out with me while I talk true crime. Welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. The month of December is upon us. I will have to say happy holidays now because unfortunately this will be the last case that I cover for the year. Uh, I thought I could put out episodes again by mid-December, but looking at my my schedule now, it is not looking like that is a possibility. I will, however, be back uh, first Friday in January for another year of true crime podcasting. Okay, with that announcement out of the way, let's get right into it. Let's get into this week's case. 2004, Lubbock, Texas. In May of that year, a 16-year-old girl named Joanna Rogers went missing from her home. There was nothing to say there was a break-in and nothing to say there was a struggle of any kind. Joanna's cell phone, wallet, and car were not taken with her. Those were left there. It was like Joanna stepped outside and vanished. This really reminded me almost word for word of the uh, Alicia Kozakevich case that I covered. Um, as soon as I heard, even just like hearing minimal details that were available about Joanna's disappearance, I immediately thought of Alicia's story. If you if you didn't hear that episode, uh, uh, Alicia was a, a teenage girl who had met a much older man online. This man was posing to be younger, to be her friend. He was grooming her. He convinced her to meet him and not tell her parents. Uh, he told her to sneak out of her house at night and to meet him down the road uh, just to say hi. And when Alicia walked out of her parents' home, very young, very young teenage girl, she walked out of her parents' home. She brought nothing with her. No phone, no wallet, no coat, no shoes. And this was even during a snowstorm. Um, so she leaves her parents' house. She walks down the street in the snowstorm with nothing but the clothes on her back, not even shoes on her feet. And when she meets the guy, he abducts her. He's sitting in his car down the road from her house. She sees him. She's, she runs over to the car, 
to say hello to see if this is her her internet friend and he abducts her. Alicia was very fortunate as in the police were able to find her alive. She was chained up in the man's home and she was very, very far away from where she had been abducted. It was nothing short of a miracle that she was found and that she was alive because she is she is certain she was going to be killed that day or the next day. She, she did not think she was making it out of there alive, but she did. So when I see that Joanna went missing from her home with no sign of a struggle, no forced entry, and all of her most valuable possessions were left behind, I immediately think that she was lured out of the safety of her home by somebody and then abducted. Joanna's parents said that she got home from work around 1 a.m. They saw her. They all said good night to each other. Good night. I love you. See you tomorrow. All of that. And she went to bed. The next morning, she was just gone. And they never saw her again, despite massive search efforts. There were search parties and billboards and flyers and a 15K reward. Her parents pled for her safe return on the news. Seven hundred people searched nationwide and still no Joanna an amber alert got put out everything was being put into finding her and nobody could find her and it wouldn't be until about two years later before her parents got answers to find out what happened to 16 year old Joanna Rogers we must first look at 29 year old Summer Baldwin's case The two do have similarities, including both of them lived in Lubbock, Texas. Both of them have red hair and they both have fair skin. So they do slightly resemble each other. September 12, 2005, Lubbock, Texas, a man working in a landfill sees a nice suitcase Uh, It was dirty from being dumped, but he could see it was in very good condition. Being a new suitcase, it, it really stuck out and he wondered if anything was in it. Upon opening the suitcase, he discovered a naked woman's body curled up in the fetal position. Absolutely horrific. The woman had gone through something horrible. Uh, she had clearly been beat up and it was just a grim discovery. Police are called and they discovered that the woman had not been dead more than 24 hours uh, before she had been found. She had been dumped very, very recently. Luckily, they were able to ID her quickly using fingerprints. The woman, she did have a tattoo on her ankle that read Summer And that is the woman's first name. The woman in the suitcase was identified as 29-year-old Summer Baldwin. An autopsy showed she had been beat up and raped before being put in the suitcase. She had 50 blunt force injuries. This was a absolutely brutal attack to have 50 injuries. It was just a very, very extreme and disturbing attack. What was most disturbing was that she was still alive when shoved in the suitcase and discarded. Her cause of death was positional asphyxiation. Summer had gone through something absolutely horrific. That was obvious. It was just a absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible discovery to make. And to add more heartbreak to the situation summer had four children and was a single mother those children 
they would never see their mother again. She was also in her first trimester of a new pregnancy. Yes, Summer being 10 weeks pregnant while murdered meant whoever killed her would face a capital murder charge, meaning the death penalty was very much on the table for the evil human being who did this. What kind of monster would commit such a horrific crime? Well, police were dead set on finding out. Since the suitcase had been in the landfill, the DNA evidence was highly compromised. As you could imagine, there is a lot of mixtures of people's DNA in a landfill. So they couldn't really depend on DNA testing to find any anyone else's who might be responsible their DNA on this suitcase. But something just as crucial was still intact, and that was the barcode sewn inside. Investigators examine the bag and find out that that brand is exclusively sold through Walmart and Walmart only. No other place sells this luggage but Walmart. So that already helps big time. But then things get even better for police. The barcode and what they call the UPC number is given to a local Walmart, one nearby. And they say, oh yeah, we keep a record of every sale. We can find out when when someone bought it. And we can even find out who they are if they paid by credit or debit card. Oh, also... P.S. Also, we can look up on the security cameras the person who bought it once we have the time of purchase. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Walmart was helping out in the biggest way. So police, they get all this amazing evidence from Walmart and they find out the bag was bought at 3 a.m. along with a box of latex gloves the same day Summer was murdered. But who bought it? That's the question. I am so glad this killer didn't think anything through because guess what? Guess how he paid. He used his own credit card to make the purchase. Yes, his own credit card in his own name linked to all of his information linked to everything about him police now knew exactly who bought it what time and oh yeah even exactly what he looked like walmart pulls the security footage and police see a six foot tall solid build hispanic man with a military style haircut early 20s bright green striped shirt so bright this shirt was so bright lime green he walks into walmart he appears calm and he appears unharmed. I say this because this is going to come back up later. So he is unharmed, okay? No cuts, no bruises, nothing looks fine. He purchases the suitcase and the gloves and he leaves and he gets into his vehicle, which is also on camera. According to his credit card, he then drives over to the gas station, buys gas, then returns to the Holiday Inn across the street. Police know this man is staying there because once they knew his name from the credit card purchase, they discovered he was in the area for reserves training and was staying at the Holiday Inn. So police, that's where they head next. They show the front desk staff a picture of the suspect, his his driver's license picture. The staff say, yeah, We did see him, 
and he did rent a room here under the name Thomas Rodriguez. This was not his real name, though. His real name was Rosindo Rodriguez, a 25-year-old Marine reservist. The hotel staff can also give police evidence that he entered his room at 3.46 a.m. because they know this because every time a key card is swiped to open a door, it is recorded digitally. And 3.46 a.m., that would be right after he bought that suitcase and got fuel. All the pieces were falling together, all from this one tiny little piece of fabric that was sewn into that suitcase that had a barcode on it. They have learned all of this. The evidence and investigation in this case is just done so incredibly well. Luck would have it, so they go to the they go to the Holiday Inn and luck would have it, the room he was in hadn't even been cleaned yet. Because the hotel staff, they're like, yeah, he was in this room and like, we're the police, we want to look at it. And they said, okay, you're in luck. It hasn't even been cleaned yet. And this was evidence jackpot for police. That's, it's just incredible that this is how quickly police moved on this. The hotel room where the crime, you know, as of right now may have happened, it hadn't even been cleaned yet. When police go to look at their room, they see blood on the sheets, mattress, and floor. Samples of this blood are taken, and once tested, it is confirmed it belonged to Summer Baldwin. Outside the bedroom was a trash can, and inside that trash can was a Walmart bag with a receipt for the suitcase, and what was even more damning was that there was also a used pair of latex gloves. Police test these gloves as well, and Summer's DNA mixed with Rosando's DNA was found inside the gloves, and then when the outside of the gloves were tested, Summer's DNA was found. So Rosando's DNA was also found inside the room, placing him and Summer in that hotel room. They've got her DNA, they've got his DNA in the same hotel room. A crime has clearly been committed here. There is blood on the mattress, on the sheets, on the floor. There's her DNA. There's his DNA. They've got the latex gloves with both of their DNA on it. They've got their receipt for the suitcase. They've got the surveillance footage from Walmart. They've got the hotel desk giving time, saying that's him. They just have so, so much evidence so soon on into the investigation. What I was wondering is why Rosando decided to use gloves after he had murdered Summer. I I don't know because it's believed that after he murdered Summer, that is when he went to Walmart and his DNA would have already been everywhere. It would have been all over her. It would have been all over the room. But then he decides to buy these gloves. And honestly, the more you hear about this man's crime slash crimes, You got to wonder, you just have to wonder about his intelligence level because it just, it seems very low. As soon as police knew who they were looking for, they tracked his cell phone and discovered he was on a bus heading to his parents' home in San Antonio. Later, police would discover that during this bus ride, he was relaxing and taking the cringiest selfies you can think of and sending them to his girlfriend. Ugh, it's just so fucking... So gross, so gross. In that cringy selfie, I saw it. He's wearing that exact same bright green, lime green t-shirt that he was wearing on the Walmart security footage while buying the suitcase. 
uh, he, he put Summer in after he had murdered her. Police don't waste any time. They go straight to San Antonio and they find him at his parents' house. When police get there, he is on his computer, uh, most likely chatting online to, to girls because uh, police find out that he was doing that a lot. He would chat with girls and women online. He seemed to do this a lot and he would talk to them primarily about sex. His conversations were very sexually orientated and honestly he sounds like a like he online predator to the T. There is more than enough evidence to arrest him and that's exactly what police do. And when police go there, when they get to his parents' house, he doesn't even ask them why they're there, what all the questions are about, nothing. Rosando doesn't confess right away, but eventually he tells police his story. Okay, and I'm saying his story because, well, just listen. So his story is that he picked up Summer to go to the Holiday Inn for consensual sex. After the two had sex, he said that she attacked him with a knife. And in self-defense, he had to use a chokehold maneuver, and that's when she passed out. He then went to Walmart, made his purchases, got fuel, went back to the Holiday Inn, and put Summer's unconscious pregnant body in the suitcase, and then dumped her in a nearby dumpster. (sighs) If he wants to use the self-defense plea, that's not really going to hold up with that second part. Because then you went to Walmart and you bought a, uh, a suitcase so you could cover up your crime. Well, he also tells police that it's possible Summer was still alive when he disposed of her body. Yeah, that's right. He knew that she still may be alive. And he still did what he did. He still put her in a suitcase, zipped it up, found a dumpster, put it in the dumpster, knowing a garbage truck is going to pick that, pick up that dumpster, bring it to a landfill, and it's like he he's just a sick disgusting disturbing man later that same morning the garbage truck collected the trash brought it to the landfill where the curious worker kicked off this speedy investigation thank goodness that landfill worker was curious and opened up that suitcase I don't believe Rosando's story tracks because he said he was attacked by Summer with a knife yet this is where that security footage the walmart security footage comes back in because he claims he was attacked yet on that footage there is no injuries he does not look like he has been in a fight he is not stabbed he has no cuts no scratches no bruises nothing nothing there is not a mark on him in that video he looks neat and tidy and calm no injuries so yeah there's just a lot about his story that i do not buy for even a second not even a little bit of his story do i believe is true um, I think that he, he killed her because that's just what he wanted to do. He wanted to murder a woman. It was a power thing. Police have to forensically search his computer and they can not only see all the girls he has been having sexual conversations with, but they can also see what he has been searching and it appears that as soon as he made it to his parents house on the bus after murdering summer he was searching her name he got onto a computer and the first thing he did was start searching her name then he was searching another name the name of a 16 year old girl who had gone missing two years earlier 
Joanna Rogers. It seemed like he had been very active following the search for Joanna when she disappeared and kept following the case. He was actively obsessing over looking at news articles about Joanna's disappearance. He seemed to be keeping a close eye on all the information coming out about uh, the search for her. Then police discovered something that placed him in contact with Joanna. Yep, that's right. He had been talking to her online. Yeah, okay. This is what can happen when Chris Hansen isn't there to stop a predator. As pathetic and weak as predators may seem, they are dangerous. They are dangerous and that's why I think To Catch a Predator is such an important show and I think Chris Hansen does amazing work with that show because some of the men that he lures to those bait houses these predators who think they're meeting 14 13 11 year old girls and boys and they're like 30 40 year old men I mean some of them they've found knives and guns and rope and stuff in in their vehicle some of those predators have tried to lure out the the actress who's pretending to be the child to lure them into the house they've tried to lure them into their vehicle and take them for a drive or they're like oh hey why don't we go to a parking lot and I'll teach you how to drive. It'll be fun. The guy who said that, he, yeah, I believe he had rope, a knife, a camera, in a bag in the back of his truck. These men are fucking dangerous. And when you look at them, you, you, you hear them talk and you think they're sad and pathetic, but don't give them a fucking shred of sympathy. They're disgusting and they are dangerous. Police also find out that Rosando had called Joanna's home phone, a landline which was in her bedroom, two times the night she disappeared. It looks like he called her once to possibly say, hey, I'm on my way. Then he may have called her again when he was down the road from her house to let her know to come outside to say hello to meet him. This would explain why she left everything like her wallet and phone and car, everything at home. She only planned to be gone a couple of minutes or, you know, she, wh- however long she planned to be gone, she planned to be back that night. I'm really not sure why this evidence wasn't looked into at the time of Joanna's disappearance, why they would not have found and questioned the older man who called her twice the night she disappeared, who she had been chatting with online. I'm I'm really not sure why they didn't catch on to him after this. I have no idea. Because it's looking very obvious that Rosando has something to do with Joanna's disappearance. Um, yeah, so police, they they want to know for sure. So they come up with a plan. Rosando is given an opportunity to shake the death penalty in exchange for life in prison if he pleads guilty to the murder of not only Summer, but Joanna as well. And also tell police what happened to Joanna Rogers. With this deal on the table, he starts talking. He said that he had met up with Joanna Rogers the night that she had disappeared. He had been talking to her online. The two met. They had consensual sex. After the consensual sex, he said 16-year-old Joanna threatened to blackmail him as she's a young girl and he is a, a man who had just had sex with her. She wanted him to pay her to say to not say anything 
about the the sex that they had just had and he said she got violent after this threat and his response to this was to kill her in what he calls self-defense and he said he also put her body in a suitcase and then put it in a dumpster just like he did with summer what kind of made up babble bullshit is that a 16 year old girl tried to blackmail you and also tried to beat you up and got very violent and the only way out of the situation as a grown ass man in the marine reserves was to kill her come on that is clearly bullshit this guy just He'll just think people will believe anything, but guess what? We won't. However, police now know for sure that Joanna's body was also put in a suitcase and dumped, which means she's in the landfill somewhere. And that part tracks because he's done this before. They know that he's done this with Summer. So they know that this is his his MO. So they, they believe him 100%. They believe that he is telling the truth about this. From here, a massive search effort unfolds at the landfill. This was no easy task. Searchers were looking for a suitcase that had been thrown away almost two years earlier. This was a very large landfill with hundreds of thousands of tons of garbage in it. Luckily, they knew where to start thanks to the system that the landfill has in place. They have some type of grid system in place and um, there is like a dumping allocation system in use meaning just knowing which dumpster Joanna was put in which area of of the city she she had been placed in that dumpster they would be able to find the area of the landfill that the garbage truck would have unloaded that that dumpster and this search it lasted I've read between two to three months Um, And they searched the entire time in this stinking garbage in the Texas heat with rats. And they were saying it's just infested with disease and cockroaches and flies. And they wouldn't give up. The smell alone was just so much to bear. But the searchers were determined to bring Joanna home to her mother and get her out of that landfill. I don't know how long they would have searched because they finally, they finally unearthed a black suitcase one day. And this day was on October 6, 2006. A backhoe was moving a bunch of stuff in the landfill and out rolled a black suitcase. A black suitcase, which everyone had been looking for for months. Yes. And the decomposed body of 16-year-old Joanna was inside. Her family finally knew the truth it was a heartbreaking terrible horrific thing that had happened to Joanna but now her family knew and they could finally lay her to rest and her mother her mother wanted a place to go and visit her daughter's remains she wanted to know where her daughter was and she had that Although Rosando admitted to murdering Joanna, he was never tried for this. Although he did confess and police undoubtedly believe that Rosando did kill Joanna, they don't believe it's in the way that he said. They don't believe that she had consensual sex with him and they do not believe that she tried to blackmail him and that she attacked him. They believe that he met her online 
convinced her to meet him outside of her home, possibly, you know, down the road from her home, somewhere where she could just walk out of her home and meet him. Maybe she did get into his vehicle and then he attacked her. He possibly sexually assaulted her and then murdered her. It seemed like Rosando really liked having power and control over over women. He was, however, tried for the capital murder of Summer Baldwin. Summer Baldwin was known to local police as she had been arrested for prostitution in the past. That's why in court, the prosecution said that Rosando picked up Summer for her services, had sex, got into a fight, possibly over payment, Maybe he didn't want to pay. He then beat her viciously until she was unconscious, went to Walmart, bought the suitcase, and discarded of it with Summer inside, then fled to San Antonio on the bus. The evidence in this case was overwhelming, and yet Rosando, he had previously pled guilty, and he was withdrawing that plea, which was a, not a good move. Because in doing so, I mean, it's a great move for, it's a great move for justice, bad move for him. Um, because in doing so, he forfeited the agreement that the death penalty would be off the table and that he would get life in prison. So that's right. That's right. He, the, the death, the death sentence option was back. So this goes to trial, he pleads not guilty, and then all the evidence is brought out. Jurors heard how he confessed to murdering a 16-year-old girl and telling police where the body was, and then police went and found it. Jurors also heard from five, yeah, five women who knew Rosando who testified that he had raped them. Yeah, it is sounding like he may have been a serial rapist. And he was accelerating into becoming a serial killer. Rosando Rodriguez, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. March 27th, 2018, 38-year-old Rosando Rodriguez was executed by the state of Texas by lethal injection for committing capital murder. Some of his last words were, quote, the state may have my body, but they never had my soul. I've fought the good fight. I have run the good race. And warden, I'm ready to join my father, unquote. Fuck off. Just fuck off, Rosando. He also tried to get people to boycott Texas businesses until the death penalty was abolished in Texas. <laughs> Here's another gem of a quote from this fool. Quote, lastly, I want everyone to boycott every single business in the state of Texas until all the businesses are pressed to stop the death penalty. Unquote. What the fuck? What the fuck? Who is this guy? Why would businesses, why would businesses being boycotted and going broke and going poor be able to change the death penalty laws in Texas? Like, who the fuck is this guy? 
Anyways, well, to nobody's surprise, his last words did not inspire anything or anyone and all businesses as a result in Texas were safe from boycotting in this situation. Rosando Rodriguez was better known as the suitcase killer in the media for obvious reasons. Um, I gotta say, there are so many murders that involve suitcases. I found an alarming amount while researching this case and it makes me wonder, it kind of makes me shudder at the thought of how many undiscovered bodies are in suitcases in landfills right now. I mean, that thought is just incredibly haunting and equally sad, you know, and we'll just never know. That concludes this week's episode. I would just like to remind everyone that uh, this is the last case I am covering until the first Friday in January when I come back for a third year doing the podcast. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm going into my third year, to be honest. We, We are still here and you are still here. And thank you so much. Please head on over to TikTok and Instagram. Uh, Follow the podcast on there if you would like at hellno underscore a true crime podcast. Also, don't forget to rate the podcast five stars on Spotify or Apple podcast. It is an amazing, great free way to support the podcast. Also, share the podcast with your friends and families. Talk about it this holiday season when you're all gathering around. Let people know about it. That is it for this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting Hell No. Be safe this holiday season because I want to see you in the new year. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays and happy.